Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Oh, wait, maybe I should have. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering if it was my headphones went out or what was going on. We, we, we go live on YouTube and all hell breaks. <laughs> I'm Nick Roush. He's. Oh, no. Oh, no. What's Your happening? YouTube's I'm hearing on. echo now. Jesus. YouTube's on. I left the YouTube on. Uh, all hell's yeah. broken loose. I messed up. I screwed the pooch. <laughs> Ah! Uh, all right, we're good to go now. We changed things up, and I think this might be a new routine this spring, doing a little uh, Thursday afternoon lunch with 11 personnel uh, around noon. Uh, just chat with you. Uh, hang out. Thursdays are a little bit slower. We can kind of review some of the football news from the week, maybe get some guests on. Uh, so could be a good time, should be a good time. Today we're going to be talking to you about National Signing Day because – uh, like it, it was a little more eventful than we expected uh, when we were discussing uh, the the events uh, a, a week ago. Yeah, uh, Kentucky got a big flip. Kendrick Gilbert started the morning. We had to wait a little bit, Nick. 8 a.m. announcement turned into a... What, 9.30? 9 yeah, 9-ish announcement. But I think, uh, number one, we can start here with the good news. Just, I think uh, it's a, a solid, good recruiting win in the line of scrimmage. Uh, Gilbert, there's a lot to like about him. I think it's a guy Kentucky wanted for a long time. They stayed on him, and finally, where we get him to flip? I think some things bounced their way, coaching change, all of that. But uh, a big win and another, I think, solid recruiting win for the defensive line. Quietly, they've just kind of kept stacking in that defensive line room, and I think Gilbert fits – what they want to do on defense um, on the line scrimmage. So I think that was a big recruiting win. Uh, I think Kentucky's a little bit finding value here in the Midwest going in and winning some defensive line recruiting battles. Last year, Deion Walker, obviously, this year, Kendrick Gilbert, and we've seen some of the success they've had in Detroit in the past. So I think a, a solid win here for Kentucky. Yeah, and when you, when you look at Kendrick Gilbert on paper, four-star recruit, uh, number 375 overall in the 1-3 consensus to help Kentucky get into the top 30 nationally. Um, he he is kind of what you look for in a Kentucky 3-4 defensive lineman. Um, the length, size, 6'5", what, about 300 pounds or so, give or take. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't have it exactly pulled up right now. But he has that – all right, he could play a couple different spots – on the defensive line, depending on how much weight he puts on, because he's he's a big body, uh, the kind of guys they're looking for in Ann Marsh Stewart's group. Yeah, I think on three, our database has him measured and verified with 35-inch arms. So that's, you know, on a 6'5 frame, you're looking at a pretty good wingspan there. I think if you kind of turn on the tape and look at him, 
he's got a pretty stout lower half, so he's pro- projecting him out, long arms, good size in the lower body. He's going to be able to hold up at the point of attack. I think you look at his future position, you kind of look at that boundary, nose tackle, so four technique, three technique. Uh, but I also think he could potentially play some zero there inside for Kentucky. I think so you multi-positional versatility is big. I think on that line of scrimmage, I think you could project him playing some of those two spots. And then you watch him, uh, I think there's real potential with him at pass rushing because of that length, Nick. Um because he can swim, he can get off blocks. Um, that length gives him some potential to fine-tune some pass some pass rush skills. And when you look at that inside position, that's not something Kentucky's really had since Calvin Taylor is a pass rusher there. Um, Phil Hoskins a little bit flashed in 2020, but outside of that, they really haven't had a pass rusher there. So if he could become that, you know, Deion Walker's obviously going to become that, but if he could add to that and give Kentucky that down the road, I think that's going to be very valuable. Uh, I think a key word you had there, down the road, um, it's pretty rare that defensive linemen do make an impact right away with Deion Walker being one of the exceptions. Um, yeah. But Gilbert does have some growing to do. Um, his get-off isn't exactly what you'd like to see. He he hasn't been an absolute terror in some of these games. He did play at a very high level, and as Stoop said in his quote, like Cathedral's a good program, and Stoop said he's yeah. got that winning mentality. Uh, that that is a big time program. Uh, getting in here, like I, I I'm not going to expect him to be in the rotation right away. Uh, but with that background, I do expect him to take steps forward, right? Like he's not one of those that I'm I'm worried a whole lot about. Uh, maybe it's Khalil Saunders. Yeah, maybe it's Khalil Saunders thing where he plays four games, um, gets in. We see him a little bit. I think really him and Tavian Gatson. Mm-hmm. I think Kentucky did a good job here. Like Tavian Gabson got a nice little rankings bump here at the end. On three has him as like a top two hundred and fifty prospect. Yeah. Um, he's top five hundred in the consensus. Gilbert's inside the top four hundred. Historically, those are really good prospects for Kentucky on the defensive line. And now you got you got six former top five hundred recruits in that room, and that's not counting the two transfers they've added in Keyshawn Silver and Darian Henry Young. So they're doing a good job stacking. Um, recruiting wins in that room. I think specifically Gatson and Gilbert, they just check boxes they want. Length, number one. Obviously, I think both can maybe play more than one position. I think Gatson's, you know, more of a end tackle tweener. Uh, and both have potential, I think, because of that length to be have patch rushing value down the road. Uh, so I just think there's a lot to to like. There with what they're doing in that room, stacking good recruiting wins. Uh, the offensive line, Nick, you know, this time two years ago was getting all the shine. Uh, quietly, Kentucky's done really solid work in that defensive line room. Uh, and they, I think they're built to succeed long-term on the defense because that defensive line is in good shape. Then you add in the, the coaching stability factor. Amar Stewart signs that extension through 2024, so you're going to have him. So what's this going to be? His first year was, what, 2020? So this will be his, what, fourth year as he assisted mm-hmm. as the defensive line coach in Lexington. That's a long time for any position coach, uh, modern-day college football. So there's a lot to like. I think that arrow's trending up. And on paper, this should be one of the best positional units on the team. you got a potential superstar in Walker. Uh, 
you've got balance, you've got class balance. I think you're going to have good depth here. You've got guys that should be able to play, and guys you have playing experience too coming back. So I think 2023 season needs to be a big one for the defensive line. You know, and you you mentioned Stewart, a guy who we've kind of questioned his recruiting chops uh, over the years, and he he put in some work to make this happen. And Kentucky was fortunate the kind of the way uh, things went about. He did. He, Gilbert took all of his official visits over the summer. Thought Kentucky was going to close then. Uh, Purdue ends up getting the commitment after it was the can was kicked down the road and decisions were delayed kind of multiple times. Uh, but they didn't close the door completely. And when Jeff Brom leaves to go to Louisville, uh, you know, opens the door for Kentucky to make a move. Uh, Walters, Ryan Walters, did get Gilbert on campus last week. But Kentucky got the last laugh. They got the last unofficial visit to pull off the flip on National Signing Day, a big get. But as the door opens for one guy, it kind of, I don't want to say closed, but you did have a sliding door sort of moment with, uh, Wu Spencer, where it really felt like this was a one-horse race for a long time uh, in the three-star offensive lineman's recruitment. And yesterday, uh, it, he ultimately ends up picking Louisville, and I think Jeff Brown played a significant part of that. I don't know how interested uh, the cowards were in Wu Spencer until Jeff Brown got there. Um but that was this was this was sort of an unusual recruitment, Luckett, because um, he's a he goes to Mail for three years. He transfers to New Albany, uh, you know, get his grades up, uh, help qualify, um, and it always felt like he was a okay. We'll we'll, we'll take him, uh, but there wasn't this sort of um, this this big fervor, uh, this big hoop all over him until. Uh, he got his grades right, and then early signing period happens, and all of a sudden there's this guy standing around that could be a high-quality football player uh, just waiting to be signed. And uh, he took an official visit to Kentucky, ends up taking an official visit to Louisville. And going into this, like, it, it, it felt like a toss-up where Kentucky, they had longevity on their side. They had the kind of the proven um, commodity there with the big blue wall. But – the, the one thing I, I mentioned this to you that I always worried about, we've seen it in Lexington. Getting p- Pitching the chance for an alignment to play defense, kids would rather tackle other guys than not be tackled, right, than try to stop the other one. So that wrinkle was always there, and I think that's ultimately what won out for the cards. Yeah, really three things to me here, Nick. Number one, on Louis Spencer's recruiting profile, it says New Albany Senior High School. Um, but to me, it's really Louisville Male High School. Um, yeah. Getting uh, a kid to Louisville from Louisville Male is like getting a kid to Kentucky from the 606. Like, it's a very – they have a very heavy recruiting – Louisville has a very heavy recruiting advantage for any kid that goes to Mail. I would We've even about say it on, Frederick Douglass, like, as of re- late, like – Right. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So, like, any time a kid goes to mail, there's Kentucky has to overcome that. Uh, number one. Um, number two, I think the the O line D at line debate. Uh, yeah. I think that's important to remember here. 
And I think you you you, you pointed it out. Kentucky's won out on that D line um, before. You look at. Rodgers and McCall, number one up from Detroit, yeah. were able to land blue chip recruiting wins essentially because they let these guys come to Lexington and play defense. And then number three, I just think it's an example. Like it's, it's just going to be tougher with Braun there, right? Full stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kentucky's going to have the advantage for out of kids not in the city of Louisville. Kentucky's going to have the advantage over Louisville. Inside that city, it's just going to be tougher. I think this was the first battle. Um, you can debate how much interest Kentucky had, or one way or the other, or Louisville. How you know, whatever it doesn't matter. But like just here, they're just going to be battles, and like Louisville people are very excited, um, basically for the optics of Spencer, right? Yes. yes. Local kid, good recruiting ranking, aspirations. Yes. These are guys they haven't gotten, and they got one here. And so you add that on top of you know getting Micah Carter out of St. X. You add that on top of getting Sadiq Clemens from Western Kentucky, Henderson County High School. Just all of those, that the optics alone of that, in-state, kids with other Power 5 offers, line of scrimmage prospects, Louisville, that they – in a lot of ways, they see that as how Kentucky's built kind of their current stature, and they see that as maybe taken away from Kentucky doing that. So the optics of that, I think Louisville have fans have a lot to be excited about. But just in general, in the city of Louisville, in the metro area, if it comes down to Kentucky, like it's going to be a fight for these these guys. Kentucky's not going to – they're going to lose some battles, but they're also going to win some battles. So just watching that is going to be intriguing moving forward. Uh, but it's also important to remember that that's not everything. Like Kentucky's class is going to have to, you know, come from other areas. But there, uh, down the road, Nick, there is going to be a legit top 200, top 150 prospect that these two schools are going to have to fight for. Uh, I don't know if it's going to – I don't think it's going to be the 2024 class. It's probably going to be down the road. But that's coming. And in the meantime, yeah. they're going to have these little mini battles right now for these – three-star yeah. prospects, uh, and, and Louisville won this one, and they they have a right to be – optic alone, it's exciting for them because if the shoe was on the other foot six years ago, we would Kentucky would have been doing the same thing. And yeah. So just get ready for that. That's the Braum effect because it, it, it's just going to be different with him, with him there um, holding the call sheet in Louisville. Yeah, the, the it, symbolically, uh, especially after – they just didn't recruit kids from aspirations for the last, I don't know, how many years, right? Like it was two coaches just wouldn't go right down the street to recruit at that gym. And Kentucky just kind of got to pick who they wanted for the most part, outside of Jeff actually getting a couple of them. He got Rondell Moore. I think Milton Wright might have worked out with Vaughn as well. Um, yeah, and, and that was working- that was before really Kentucky put Merrill in Louisville, right? Like. True, Once true. they sent Merrill in there, and really he built up that aspirations connection relationship, that's when Kentucky started getting a lot of these guys. And it started in that 2019 class. When Merrill goes in there, gets Weaver, gets Jerry Casey, and starts building that aspirations connection. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, and Weaver's a guy that – Yeah, he was 20, 2020, uh, okay. the next year. Right. But, but Weaver is really the one they point to a lot. Yeah. Every year, Kentucky plays Louisville. J.J. Weaver makes a play, and it's like that's a guy that should be – like interception 2021. Last year he gets a sack fumble. That is mm-hmm. like what they point to. 
But what you don't see them pointing to is the other guys that Kentucky has gotten that haven't panned out here, right? Yeah, there's um, a lot there's of been them. some transfers out of this class from or out of this program with guys from Louisville, and so it's not the whole. This thing yeah. is a lot. It's not necessarily like on-field production. It is just optics. I mean, that's and program momentum you can build when you get a recruiting win like that. And so that's just going to be you know, something to follow. Like I eventually, mean, like I'm very well, interested. Like Louisville's going to win an out out of state, not out of state, in state recruiting battle. Maybe a kid from Western Kentucky, Bowling Green, and they're mm-hmm. going to sell the crap out of it, even if that kid's like a mid-three-star recruit. I mean, um, and you saw yeah. the basketball team last night. I don't know if you saw Louisville's Twitter yeah, the basketball the, Twitter. Woo! Like, yeah. Th- and, well, that, we that's, that's also goes the football-basketball school thing, right? Taking a shot. We did this in 2019, though, when they got all those guys, and really J.J.'s the only one that panned out. They had five kids from Louisville, right? And Casey played a couple snaps. You know, I mean, he, he played a little bit, but for the most part – you know, uh, the kid from DOS, he was gone within a year and just quit playing football. Like, a mm-hmm. lot of these guys uh, didn't pan out. So, I think the number one overarching theme, like you said, it's symbolic, but you also can't put all your eggs in a basket of, we just got to get every kid from Louisville. Because you don't you don't have to. And for me, uh, in the case of Wu Spencer, uh, if you want to look at it from this standpoint – if he wanted to play defensive lineman, you got a better defensive lineman signed yesterday in Kendrick Gilbert. Uh, you know, why Why would you t- – you wouldn't take him as defensive lineman. If if this kid's smart, he'll end up moving to offensive line because I think he actually has a very high – like, he, he, he he's a better his, offensive his, lineman. His senior, his senior tape is good. Offensive line tape is good. Yeah. Uh, and he held. So maybe, we saw. We got eyes on him at a camp, and he held up when there were some good players that they could take a camp. Like, I am – Particularly, like I could see him being a multi-year Power Five starter at offensive guard for sure. Whether so, he plays that or not, we'll see. Right. But here's the thing you mentioned though, Luckett, and it's the uh, when you talked about the top 200 prospect. If you thought the Keontae stuff was nuts, it's going to be freaking banana land because yesterday, for those who are really in the weeds and just tr- you know refreshing message boards and all that. Freaking Chris has got Dave jumping through all sorts of hoops. And I, I'm I know a lot of people out there aren't aren't Dave Lackford fans. I I love Dave. Dave's a great dude. Um he doesn't take himself too seriously, but he's plugged in and he flipped his pick, what, five times in the last week? I mean, and people were losing their freaking minds every single time. It was coming down to the wire where nobody really knew until, you know, about thirty minutes before when I'm showing up to aspirations and it's like, ah, it's probably gonna be a little, isn't it? Uh, but if you thought that was some hoopla, just wait until there's a, a big name guy. That's going to be, yeah, it's going to be. It wasn't, a lot. Just, it wasn't just Dave either. Like Steve Wiltfong went back and forth. Yeah, yeah. That last 24 hours, so it's always going to be a expect a little bit of drama, right? With that when you're going to aspirations announcement. So. Right, right. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll way. see down the road how, how that plays out. No doubt. Yeah, uh, spoke to Hayes Johnson some yesterday, though. He he was even uh, – he wasn't sure what it was going to be going down the stretch. But uh, it's still – that was that was the first time I'd been to a commitment that it wasn't Kentucky since Damian Harris. And uh, it's a little weird, but it's still – like, I love seeing these kids, just how excited they are to make it. And I know for him where 
you know, he thought that that day might not come there for a little bit, but he stuck with it. Uh, really cool to see. Um, but you know, you f- rivalry. You f- back on. You felt you felt like the USC guy at Michael Drennan's announcement yesterday. I'm assuming. Oh yeah, um, our guy flew was, in from California to, <laughs> to see Drennan's and he commits to Kentucky. That was that was so awkward. And that kid, he's not even playing football anymore, right? Like he just he didn't just, play yeah, at all. Hanging this out year. in the portal. Yeah, yeah, bizarre. Um, speaking of Hayes, though, and speaking of optics, got an in-state commitment today. What a weird timing, right? Like it? <laughs> Interesting timing. I, I, dude, I like this kid a lot. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and I, I make the joke because I, I don't think it was a coincidence. Um, they are probably saving it up. I thought actually they were going to save up Hayes Johnson for, you know, maybe potentially if Wu goes elsewhere. Uh, but put on his tape and just watch him. Like he spends half his half the highlight reel just pulling down the line and blowing dudes up. Abbaselm, um really, it's between him or Hayes Johnson as to who's the number one or two ranked players from the state of Kentucky. This guy's number one. Yeah, he's number one. This guy's number one, and he is. Uh, he freaking blows dudes up, man. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, just very interesting. Like, I hope we get eyes on him at camp, and I hope we can get some legit kind of measuring, that, like some length measurables and all that. Because we had on three has some listed at six four two ninety five. So I'm interested to good. see. I want to see him. Like, I want to size him up in person. Number one, like this, he's an athlete. Like he can move. Uh, Kentucky needs to get more athletic on the offensive line if they're going to run this outside zone scheme, which I still think is the plan. You need guys like this. He climbs to the second level with ease. He's a very good puller. He plays. When he does that, he doesn't get, like, he stays balanced and he's able to latch on to smaller defenders and finish blocks. He shows power at the point of attack, plays within himself. It has protection. Like, there's a rep on his tape where it's a, it's a sprint out the other way. So you have to kind of work. You're working with the guard down the line, and you want to move your body. You want to move your backside towards where the quarterback is rolling to. Well, they run the defense runs like a guard tackle stunt, which is not super – like, it's a stunt you got to really kind of work together with your guard to pick up. He does a great job picking that up. He, he steps down. Gets a good shot in on the on the end. Who's stepping in? He breaks off and gets the tackle. Who's wrapping around? Was a really good pass set. I think inside, like he shows some really good. I think play strength with strong hands. He's able to throw defenders to the ground. There's just a lot to like about him. Uh, and in the film repost I wrote today, Nick, I I typically don't do player comps in this just because it's so hard on the high, on the high school tapes. But like, Especially I could like. Lineman. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kenneth Horsey, I think, is a real good comp for this guy. I think he can play guard or tackle at the next level. 
He's got really good positional athleticism. I don't know if like necessarily just power is his number one strength, um, but you do see him drive block guys off the line of scrimmage, which to me is like when I watch these high school guys, my, one of my number one things is, all right, you're one-on-one head up, like Oklahoma drill in real life, right? Can you dominate the guy ahead of you? And he has a couple tapes of that where he's just – He's just straight drive blocking and gets a pancake block. Like that's one of the number one things I look for in an offensive line uh, guys. I just think there's a lot here. I think he's a scheme fit at Kentucky. I could see him as a tackle at the next level if the measurements work out. And Kentucky needs tackles. Uh, yeah. And so there's, I think there's a lot to like about this kid. I, I really do. And if he, I'm interested to see what he does camp wise. I want to see him at a Kentucky camp. And but if he camps at other places, I could see him potentially blowing up. Like this is a guy that I think should be a four-star prospect. I think there's a lot to like with him. I just want to know what, what his legit measurables are, height and, height and, really height and length, um, to see if – because then you can really project him to play tackle. But I think there's a lot to like about him. I really do. Big, big yeah, and he's a Reds fan, Luckett, so you all can catch up and talk about <laughs> – who even plays for the Cincinnati Reds anymore? That's a great right? question. Like, we could do a game. Does this guy play for the Reds? Because <laughs> they sold off. I mean, it was an absolute fire sale. It's, tri- um, it's a triple A team. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm, I'm. This is this is also a, a rarity too, where we get luck at. Um, I don't want to say selling out is not the right word, but you're rarely this bullish on a kid that's committing in February. I mean, it's 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 rare. So yeah, I just I like I like this kid a lot. I do. I I do want to see how he develops, but there's a lot. To like there, I think this is a put a pin in this recruiting one. This is a, I think a big one. I could see a potentially ranking blow up for him if he goes through the full process. Oh, over on the YouTube and, chat. Oh, go on, like it for you. Yeah, I'll just say like in the past, Kentucky. This is how they've won, like landing these guys, like these offensive linemen early, um, and getting them in, and then developing them and getting them on the field. I think. And specifically in state, um, landing these guys, and I, I count like Ohio too as these in-state guys from your home territory, getting them locked up early, getting them on campus, and developing, getting them on the field. And I think some, I, I definitely see a place for him. Either whether it's guard, left guard, left tackle, like I, de- he's definitely going to be a guy I project to be a multi-year starter at Kentucky. I think there's a lot to like about him. Uh, we also want to say that we like our producer. Uh, Joel on the chat says, Stephen Peake killing it with the B-roll. And, folks, if you haven't seen Stephen's latest video, it's uh, it's some of my favorite work he's done, especially when he's got the footage of him holding up the three sign. Uh, I've I, I laughed out loud multiple times in that. So if you haven't checked it out, do it. Look, at, I've also got some scoop for you. And I don't. I haven't. I haven't even shared this with you yet. But you know what? Let's just drop it on the eleven personnel podcast. Um, one t- uh, person straight kill us says the kicker we got from Fordham will be our field goal kicker, uh, kicker or kickoff or both. I don't know if he's going to be our kicker, but I have. I did f- learn that the reason why Chance Poor returned to Kentucky is to not be the field goal kicker. It's to be the punter. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, so who knows what's going on in that room, but when I heard that, um, take it for what you will. I don't think – I don't know if he's punted since high school, but take that for what you will. 
I didn't think Wilson Berry was terrible at the end of the year. I will say that. Like, I, I wasn't expecting much, but I thought he was solid. Yeah, yeah. So there's just yeah. that whole room right now is a mess. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, like they've got like seven kickers, punters. It's just a mess. Trying to sort it out uh, is difficult. We can't handicap it properly, but if you can handicap anything properly, you should head on over to my bookie. I mean, that is where you make some money. Look, it, I, I, I did not do well conference championship weekend. Uh, I don't, I don't think I, I, I cashed one ticket at all. Yeah, but, my props but, were not great either. But the good news is, though, is when you use my bookie and you put in promo code personnel, or you just scan the code that's on your screen right now, they're going to, they're going to hook you up. They're going to match your deposit uh, with up to what is it, 50 bucks. This, of course, this is taking forever. The one time I, I want to load it up, uh, they will match. It's a new deposit bonus. as a 10% cash bonus on any first time deposits up to two grand. Uh, minimum amount is 50 bucks. The maximum amount receivable is 200. So just check it out uh, right now. Put in the promo code personnel. They're going to hook you up with your deposit. Uh, do that right now. You ask for it. They got it. It's it's the best. It's a unique bonus just for sports better who want to focus on what to bet and not a payout sweat. So use that personnel podcast uh, promo. Personnel, pregame, live lines, Super Bowl props. We've got two weeks to figure out our props to get better at these Super Bowl props. Bet everything from the opening coin toss, length of the national anthem, to the color of the Gatorade dumped on the winning coach. And lucky it Here's I, I, this is just a guess. Our boy Chris Stapleton is doing the national anthem. I would, I would bet that uh, a country music singer is going to go under on the national anthem. Like he's not going to be one of these big R and B kind of singers with the big voices that's going to really hold the notes for very long. I, I would think that the under might be way to go on the anthem for Chris Stapleton. Hasn't the under hit on that like nine out of eleven or something? I feel like I've read that. Like it usually goes under. And they take them off the board typically early. So get on over to my bookie now. Go put in the promo code personnel. It's going to be it, – they're going to match your deposit, initial deposit. It's going to be awesome. It's a unique deposit bonus that lets you cash in and out quickly. Head to mybookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Um, look at your bingles, though. I, I – are we blaming the refs? Are you blaming the refs? Or are you just going to blame it on Chris Jones no. wrecking hell? Um, Chiefs deserve to win the game. I'll, I will say. I, I mean, they won the turnover battle. They were more efficient in the red zone on opportunities. Mahomes was great. Um, line of scrimmage, offensive line, defensive line was better than Bengals. Uh, but what I do want to say is I'm like they got every call like in the second half. Like yeah, they, every yeah. 50-50 call they got. Uh, and I really wanted to point that out for when we get this college football playoff in college in the home games. It's going to matter. That is that, right. Like that is going to be a huge yeah. advantage in some of these environments, especially when you get just anything. Like if you're playing a name brand school, if you're a lower level, maybe lower, like a Big Twelve team, you get a home game against I don't know an SEC power, Notre Dame. Like, let's say Notre Dame goes somewhere. 
that that's gonna like these environments are gonna create atmospheres like that where these refs are gonna have some tougher calls and every call in these close games everything is just gonna be magnified especially on that stage um, I mean we that, uh, the refs that we I mean the five down thing Nick was just unacceptable I mean that it almost looked like like the back judge he got like buzz from New York to stop the play <laughs> and then he runs in there. And then he gets to stop. And then they double down with the defensive holding on the that next. That was a bad call. That was a bad call. That, that that was a home field call. The one that was shocking to me that I think could have been a huge one was they didn't call the late hit on Burrow. On Burrow. And then on the grounding, they called the grounding, all right? If you want to call fine, call if you want to call the grounding. Fine. But it, the dude who forced the grounding was Jones, who had the clear hands to the face. And they they have been called. That's been like a an emphasis rule. I've seen that called more in the NFL and in college this year than I can ever remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they and they just totally whiff on that. And it's just like you know you don't you miss the you know you don't call a late hit. And it, let's be honest, if my, that happened to Mahomes, that thing is getting thrown. They're throwing three. And then you don't. Yeah. And then you don't call the hands. Of, like it was just like, man, what are they like? What's going on here? I just the Chiefs got every call. Now I, they deserve to win the game, but they got every call. Um, they're like not like in these bigger moments in these atmospheres. Like we're gonna have to deal with that in college, and I'm fascinated um, because the overreactions are gonna be even more in college football uh, than oh, I think yeah. even the NFL. Um, so I just I think that's going to be something to look for. And then the 49ers Eagles. I've never seen injury stuff like that. Uh, it, it's it's it is. I mean, it's almost like Kyle Shanahan made a deal with the devil and the devil's cashing in early because – Yeah, with God, the quarterback stuff, right. Yeah, I mean, it is unreal. They they were down to their fourth quarterback and he got concussed. Like, it was – Yeah, and that – Shocking. It's, Absolutely it's shocking. also a th- It's also a thing that maybe downtrodden fan base want to say, well, this only happens to us. Well, 49ers got, what, five Super Bowls and it happened to them. Like, this weird stuff happens sometimes. Uh and, and for it, it to just, happen, too, on a play that didn't look like the most severe injury, too. You know, I mean, it just looks like how many times have you seen that? strip sack, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it happens all the time. So it um, – and that was a buzzkill, too, because I thought that was going to be a, a, a really – First possession, I mean, literally, literally first possession. Yeah, that was a real, real bummer, real downer. We can handicap the Super Bowl next week, but I um, – I, I said going in that I was going to pick the AFC team regardless to win, but I do worry about the Chiefs' inability to run the football because, I mean, Joe Burrow had the longest well, run of the day. Well, the thing with the Chiefs is they can they have to get under center to run it. If they can get under center, they can run it a lot better. They couldn't get under center because of Mahomes' ankle. So if that ankle's better off two weeks and they can get under center, they'll be able to run the ball better with more efficiency. Also, um, Pacheco, every time he runs the ball, he could get called for targeting. The way he uses his head is like <laughs> – He's uh, a lightning – I mean, he just – He's a lightning bolt, man. I will say, like, it was – it was Jones – like, Mahomes was awesome, and Jones was, I think, probably their MVP. But they got a – like, they're like secondary role players, I would say. Like, the Pachecos, the MVSs. Their secondary, Michael Dana on the interior. Those guys really like stepped up and played above their heads. I thought for the Chiefs, and that I think that really kind of made the difference for them. And then Boyd going out for the Bengals was a huge loss. 
Yeah. Uh, because it allowed them to double bracket because the Bengals couldn't block a front four and then it allowed them to bracket Chase and Higgins on the outside and then you had Hayden Hurst and Trent Irwin had to beat one on one so they just they couldn't do it. But if you have Boyd over the middle there in that two minute, it makes a world of difference because if you want to play like that, Boyd was gonna beat whoever he was on, especially with Sneed out, um, their best nickel corner. I think the Bengals go down and score. At least get a field goal on one of those two drives there at the end if they have if they have Boyd. But you know that's football shit, shit like or stuff like that's going to happen. And like you, uh, I'm sure you believe that they were going to win when they what was it third and seventeen, and they complete that pass to Hayden Hurst. You're just like, oh, Joe Burrow's about to do it again. Uh, yeah, but field position was, it, was like- unfortunate both both those possessions. Like also special teams, the Chiefs. Um, won that game, and they they stuck on special teams all year. So oh, that yeah. that field position <laughs> didn't help. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it just unfortunate. But that's how all these Chiefs Bengals games have been. The Chiefs still haven't scored a fourth quarter touchdown on the Bengals in four games. That's crazy. Like the the Bengals have them kind of their offense as much as you can have it figured out. They have it figured out. It's just. Uh, and offensively, they've been good against the Chiefs. I mean, two games they were just awesome. Uh, the two home games, but, but the protection the was goal. just, yeah, yeah. They just, the red zone was just. Hurst should have caught that ball. I mean, it was a tough throw, and then mm-hmm. there at the end, like Higgins not getting out of bounds, there was big because they just didn't have time. And then Jones blew up the second down play, and Burrow kind of had to throw it away um, for the field goal before the half. I mean, that was the big. I think that if the, that last drive, if it's a typical red zone drive, the Bengals probably score, but they were just crunched for time there at the end and then so I mean it, these games come down they're going to come down to the wire with these two everything every one of them has been a three point game and then and the same thing happened here and so they'll it's be meeting again for sure Yeah, it's fun to watch um, which if you need a football fix uh, you can watch Zadarius Smith hit a golf ball tonight yeah pro Bowl. did you see Zedarius Orlovsky did you see Orlovsky put out the of Zadarius had his hands wrong like he had left over Instead of right over left, he had left over right and was swinging it like that. Well, he hit a. He actually hit it a good ways, but I, I was trying to look it like, up. Dude, have I'm you ever pretty, swung a baseball bat, man? I, that's what I mean. I'm pretty sure he's a terrible golfer, and like, you know, uh, I, I thought I saw a clip of that. So the fact that he's in there, it will be fun. They're having a tug of war competition on Sunday. That'll be fun to watch, like Trent Williams and these big dudes uh, play tug of war. They're gonna have a dodgeball game tonight, so. It'll be fun. It'll be, it's something different. Um, so I'm, you know, my Thursday's a bad sports night. I might pop it on for a little bit, um, but not a whole lot of football to get us through till the Super Bowl. Um, one person also asked, um, "Does anybody know that Darius Cannon committed to Kentucky on Tuesday? He was on Rivals, and now he's not there. What's the deal with Darius Cannon? Uh, he's a walk-on, so we don't really." Uh, he was a guy that I think he camped Nick, and there was maybe a reported offer, but you know how those go. Yeah, it's like an offer, but it's not non-committable offer that sort of deal. It, but I think he is going to be maybe an intriguing walk-on to watch. I think he's from Gainesville, Georgia, maybe or maybe That's Florida. Correct. Yeah. Um. So he's going to be a guy I think to watch here. But yeah, he is a preferred walk-on there wide receiver. Yeah, and it's no no offense to uh, all of our PWOs out there, but there's so many of you. We can't we can't we can't catch them all. Um, yeah. 
This is an interesting question right here. Straight Killer 369. Do you foresee any surprise positions of need that we might add after everyone's spring practices conclude via the transfer portal? So, right. The transfer portal opens May 1st, closes May 15th, and that's the last window. So, you got a two-week period there. I think linebacker is important there, Nick. I think tackle is a position everybody's going to see. After Gilbert was added, they have 84 scholarships accounted for, by my count. And so, we'll see what they do. But yeah, I I foresee maybe Kentucky adding two to three more transfers. And I think you're going to see maybe two, three, four players potentially leave the program after spring practice. So, that's going to be something to watch out for. Off-ball linebacker obviously stands out. And I think Mm -hmm. offensive tackle um, and potentially kicker too. Uh, Those are the three I would be watching, definitely. Yeah, and and then it just comes down to injuries. You know, we've had back to back years with uh, season-ending right. injuries yeah. in the spring. It was Dear Jackson last year, uh, or the year before last? Or I, I'm getting Vito Tisdale, D Jack, Vito Tisdale. Um, I mean, hell, you had Chris Oates's stroke. I mean, like there, you just you never know. So um, something that just you kind of wait and see. Um, but luckily, that 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 second transfer portal window is there for you to take advantage of. Um, did want to mention our our favorite guy, Shane Beamer. He was back in the news yesterday, um, doing something good. He he signed a five star, Nicholas Harbor. And if you follow on three recruits, which if you aren't yet, why? What, what's your deal? Go follow that Twitter account. Um, they've been talking about him quite a bit throughout his recruitment because this dude's a freak. He's 6'5", 240, and is a track star. I mean, he's an enormous human, and he's beating sprinters that are the size of Jordan Anthony. Um, He's an unreal Mm -hmm. athlete, came down to Oregon or South Carolina, ends up picking South Carolina. They say they're going to play him at tight end or receiver, which is great news like it, which means we'll never have to worry about him in South Carolina. (laughs) Yeah, I mean – it's, we've talked about this. It's going to be the offseason of Beamer. They are doing, a, like recruiting-wise, they're doing some really good things. Uh, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Harbor now, Nick, he is a freak, and he's got all these measurables, but he's like it's a little unknown at football because they don't know what position he's going to play. You know, putting him a tight that doesn't make much sense to me. Like, if you give me a guy like that, he's rushing the passer. He's an edge, yeah, that, all day. That's Go get quarterback, that, man. That, that this is your future. Let me let's teach him pastors. This is how you're going to get paid. Yeah. Uh, so that I did find that intriguing. But you move forward, like they've got the number one tackle committed in 2024. He's a South Carolina prospect or native. I think there's another top five offensive tackle they're in on. They already have Dante Reno at quarterback, which is a guy Kentucky was interested in back when Cone was here the first run. So they're just, recruiting wise, they're doing good. Now, if you look at their class. It's essentially what Kentucky did last year. It is a it's a top twenty class in star rating. It's ranked number sixteen overall. So it's not like 
it's not like they're recruiting at a top five national championship level, but it is a good class. But we've seen South Carolina have these classes before. They had them all the time with Will Muschamp. Mm-hmm. But they have a lot of momentum as a program right now. Even when they lost, like they lost a lot of players in the transfer portal. Like good players are going to other Power Five programs, um, and they did not have the transfer class that they had last year. But they are overall, they're in a good spot and the, the social media program, right? I mean, they're going to get attention because they're out out in front and mm-hmm. catching videos. And you can't really you can't blame them. You know, they they are. Going to be a trendy pick here heading into the offseason. They got Spencer Rattler back. That's one, To me, that's a key game for Kentucky next year. You, they really need to go win that game. It's on the road. It's second-last game of the year, I believe. Uh, it's at right the week after Kentucky plays Alabama, but South Carolina's got a tough schedule, too. Uh, that's a game Kentucky needs to get back on the right, the right side of. And, you know, they're doing some good things, and they're just going to be a program that people talk about a lot. This offseason, them in Louisville specifically, Nick, just because Louisville too, with the coaching change, Brom coming home, Louisville schedule was very God. That's a freaking very manageable. To Man, say the, well, you're being, that's a nice way to put it. Very manageable. They don't play I, anybody. Yeah, but they still got ten Power Five opponents. True, that's true. a lot yeah. for a program like Louisville. Ain't play nobody, Paul. And so, like, there's gonna be. Ten Power Five opponents plus Notre Dame. They got the eight ACC, Indiana, Kentucky, Notre Dame. That like I know people are like the easy saying they say is like, oh, this Louisville schedule's cake. It's still ten Power Conference opponents. It's there's still going to be some challenges. They are not going to like. I'm willing to bet. I don't think like unless Louisville is just awesome in fifty fifty games, they're not going on nine and three. Like seven and five, eight and four is probably where they're going to end up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you because you just. Toss-ups are toss-ups for a reason. You can't win them all. I've they're going to have six, seven um, toss-up games. Yeah. And they're they're going to have some Jeff Braun meltdowns too. Like, you know, it's he he, he wins some games he shouldn't. He loses some games he shouldn't. See um, Rutgers. Like, I, I can go down the list. There's a lot of them um, throughout the years. Uh, they do have a couple Thursday nights, though. So, party deck lock it? Huh? Huh? <laughs> party I deck? I know you'll be there. You, you just walk uh, walk down the street and you're there. Yeah, yeah. Um but uh, my favorite headline, though, of the last week was a quote from Kirk Ferentz. Uh, I don't anticipate any staff changes. His son, Brian, has been conceivably a dead man walking and the biggest joke in all of college football for a year plus. And he can yeah. he, will, he refuses to fire his son, Brian Ferentz, who is an objectively awful play caller. And we had this conversation ahead of the Music City Bowl. Nobody's an offensive coordinator for as long as he is. Unless you're, you, there's something behind the scenes that like he can't get a head coaching job elsewhere, or there's something behind the scenes where you're terrible and just can't get fired because your dad's the head coach. This is going to sink. Like Kirk Ferentz might end up getting fired because he won't fire his son. It's hilarious. I love it. I cannot believe that they were able to get Cade McNamara with the promises of still playing for Brian Fair. That's I think the most shocking part of it all is that they were actually able to do have some success in the portal. Without changing offensive coordinators. That was the first thing I was going to bring up because I figured, like, the conversation would have been what they're going to do on offense. They're probably going to make a change, get a play caller in here. And that maybe that wasn't the conversation. So that's fascinating. Uh, 
like we have like it wasn't that long ago when they were competent on offense with Brian Ferentz. It has been like they're never gonna like the quote that Ferentz brought out is their record is like they have an 800 winning percentage or something. I don't know when they score 24 points. Like not asking for a lot. A lot of that's because their defense is so good. Like how long is their defense gonna stay at a top five level? That would be my big concern if I'm an Iowa fan. Like like Phil Parker's making magic over there, and if you know. What if maybe the talent dries up a little bit on that side, and then or they have a bad class or two, and then defense is not at that level? But yeah, it's a great chance for Brian Ferentz. Like he now they got him a quarterback that's competent, and some other I think you know a tight end Eric All that I think can play, and the offensive line should be better. But it's hard not to look at it and be like, dude, you just like you just won't fire your son. Like this yeah. is not any other any other person would have been fired for this performance, no matter what the situation and, was on offense. And it's not just a one off either. Like it's a steady regression. And yeah, uh, back to back years where you're just terrible. I mean, at flat out terrible yeah. on offense. And part of it is Ferentz's fault. Like last year, they, you know, you had a problem. Go out and get a transfer quarterback or transfer receiver yeah. or something. And even if it's an FCS guy, and they didn't, they ran it back with Spencer Petrus. And it's just like, you know, and those receivers. And then, like, they had two younger promising receivers that left the program that were four-star recruiting wins that played early. And, like, you didn't develop those guys at all. So, you know, I, I found it interesting, definitely. And that's just – it's going to be a huge – because the fan base is really not – like, you just go with, like, if Scott Docterman or our, our guys at the Hawkeye Report here at On3 mm-hmm. – Tom Kaker, I think, is our bet, our top guy. Just go look at the quote tweets, right? Yeah. And then uh, Nick, being at that, remember the back and forth he had with? Um, I'm trying to yeah, think of that the guy. Radio guy. Iowa. Thought he was. I thought he wrote for one of the newspapers. I thought he was one of the bigger beat reporters. I don't remember, I, but I it was contentious as hell. Like it looked like there was going to be a fight in the press room. Yeah, and there was. Apparently, like he had parents hadn't talked to the media for since October. Brian Ferentz, that is. Yeah, yeah. So there's just a lot. It's pretty contentious there. I just fascinated to see how that plays out. It's an interest, very interesting decision by Kirk Ferentz, and that's like a national story because uh, Iowa's a big enough program, and they're so bad. Like everybody knows they're bad, right? Terrible on offense, and it's like mm-hmm. a joke. Everybody was all of college football Twitter was remember the South Dakota State game week one. Where they didn't score an offensive touchdown, they scored like seven points because I think they got two safeties or so, or something ridiculous, and ended up winning the game seven three. Uh, it's fat like yeah. they're going to be a fascinating watch just because of that. Um, and the fan base is just irritated. And I read a story by Scott Dockerman at the Athletic. He was just like, you know, they've done this before with the offense like tanked like this, but not at this bad level. And where it really can start hurting is season ticket sales um, because the fans is so upset that a lot of people might not renew season tickets. Uh, but that could have a cause and effect there. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm very interested to see how that plays out. And Gary Barta, I mean, he's just doing what Kirk Ferentz wants. He's not stepping in the way, and he's not forcing him to do anything. So now right. people are mad at him. It's just a wild development there at Iowa. Uh, one man – Kentucky will, unfortunately, well, who knows? They might play him in a ball game again. Uh, <laughs> We're running it back. It will be Outback, Outback Bowl, Iowa, Kentucky. Oh, man, that would be hilarious. Don't want to see that happen. Don't want to see that happen. Um, but, like, this has been fun. It's been fun. Doing it live. 
I like ripping it live. I like chatting with the fans, mixing it up. Um, I think next week we'll we'll probably dive into our coaching carousel uh, pod. That is, if Jim Harbaugh still isn't interviewing with any NFL team that will want to, that's been really yeah, bizarre. I'm hoping, Nick, Nick. I'm hoping really to get the Alabama coordinators hired by then. Uh, yeah, because I think the that's a big that deal. Have not been inspiring either. The Ryan right. Grubb name was weird. Uh, yeah. Because by all accounts, because he's with Kalen DeBoer, by all accounts, that's DeBoer's offense. Right. I'm so not sure if he calls the plays. You're hiring, yeah, you're hiring a guy's number two to be the offensive coordinator at Alabama, like yeah. that. And Todd Grantham's like the new defensive name that's in the mix there. Like, that's worth talking about because obviously the recruiting is not slowing down Alabama. They're probably going to have one of the best rosters, but they have a lot of unknowns like quarterback. Caleb Monroe, Ty Simpson, you know, both were highly ranked, but we'll see. None of them were are Bryce Young or Tua coming in where it was a no doubter. Uh, like what we I knew where well Alabama's gonna be good at quarterback. I think there's more variance with, with those two guys. And then the George Rosters just, you know, it's good shape, but they lost a lot of like leadership and star power off that team. You know, we expect young guys to step in, but they're in a like a different spot here. Georgia's kind of back to back titles. They're the you know, the king on the block now. Like, I, I very much want to see what he does there because I could see that, you know, maybe, like, if it if they were ever going to fall down to an 8-4, and four, like, this kind of be to me, this is a scenario for it. Um, mm-hmm. If he coordinators, quarterback is not a superstar, you know, and maybe it's a good time for Kentucky to have a home game with them. But, well, I mean, oh. we'll see how that all plays out. There's still talent-wise, they're off the charts, but – Things are heard it here things first, are it, things seem to be tri- in November. Yeah, we'll see who the coordinators are, but I did not say that in November. Uh, uh, but things are yeah, trending. The old Nick Saban, what told personnel is, is now telling Nick Saban <laughs> he's losing to Kentucky. Just, I just, yeah, it's just like the coordinator. The these have been very unflattering the the candidates that have leaked out so far, and it's taken him a long time to make a hire on both of these yeah. spots. Just stay away from Brad White. Yeah, please. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. And thank you all for listening to 11 Personnel. Remember to use promo code PERSONNEL at mybookie.ag. And we'll be back this time next week. For Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. Go Cats and go Kroger. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.